Alrighty guys, did you know that this month is a little bit different because for the month of September, we are doing all things daddy. So we will be inviting a lot of men to the podcast and sharing their stories. But before we dive into all things dad, I want to give a big thank you to Pepico for making this episode possible. Have you heard of Pepico LED light therapy mask? If you follow me on Instagram, you definitely would have seen me wearing it and probably heard me speak about it. It is the safe, non-invasive treatment that helps with a lot of skin concerns like pigmentation, acne breakouts, sun damage, you name it, it will help you. Anyone who follows me, like I said on Instagram, knows my skin has been a big priority for me the last few months. Hormonal imbalances and pregnancy and a lack of attention to my skin had me feeling and looking a little bit dull. I'm so excited to say that I'm five weeks into my LED light therapy journey and my skin is glowing. And yep, I'm gonna toot my own horn because it looks good. I've also fought really hard to get you guys an epic discount code, which is 40% off store-wide. So head to pepico.com to start your LED light therapy journey. Thank me later, guys. Alrighty, let's get into the episode. Welcome back to United in Motherhood podcast with me, Zoe Young, the podcast for every parent to feel a part of something bigger, uplifted and connected. And today I am joined by Olympian Cam Girdlestone. I could give you the whole spiel on who Cam is, but I'm going to give you a little bit more backstory as to how Cam came into my world. Cam is a two-time medalist at two separate Olympic Games, Rio and the recent Tokyo Olympics. He's also father to a beautiful son called Paddy and husband to the beautiful Zanny. Now, backstory. Cam's wife, Zanny, has been in my life for forever, as long as I can remember, to be honest with you. Her baby sister, Bella, is my baby sister's bestie, absolute best friends. They grew up together. They've been inseparable since the day they met. So Zanny's family has been a big part of my life and Cam and her have been together for such a long time. And This chat is just so telling of how important it is to take the time to listen to people's journeys. Because even though Cam has been in my life for quite some time, I didn't know half of the stuff that he shared. I didn't know the trying to conceive journey. I didn't know the struggles he's had mentally. I didn't know half of the things that he shares in this. So please listen give Cam a follow over on Instagram. I'll leave everything down below and let me know your thoughts. I'm not going to do an intro this week because like I said last week, I feel like lockdown just had me feeling like a bag of dicks and I don't have much to add. The podcast is keeping me going. Working out is keeping me going. My beautiful kids are so happy and I'm so lucky that they are content. So that's it for me. Enjoy this episode. I say this every week, but I mean it every week. It's a bloody goodie. All righty. Well, let's get to it, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward. It's my first ever podcast, Zoe, so I'm really pumped. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's nerve-wracking. No, no, no. Like, I was chatting to Zan this afternoon. I was like, I'm so excited because, like, I'm so passionate, obviously, to to share my story and to share my journey. and, And, obviously, she's been a big part of it and, and this year for me, like I'm, I'm, pro- I'm the only one in in the rowing group, um, in the two centres to to be 33 and to have a have a kid along with the journey. So, and it's been such a, everyone in the whole in the whole centres embraced it and loved it. Like they call it a dad dad bod strength. To like, I'm like <laughs> the father, like of these little 20 year olds, and they're like, oh yeah, just ask dad what to do. And so you like, feel that responsibility though, being the eldest. A little bit, and I think probably the biggest thing for me, like coming into the group so I was sort of being a being a past Olympian and, and, and being there sort of before and then I came into the centre sort of halfway through down there in Canberra and they were already quite successful and it was quite a they were very like a tight-knit sort of real like yeah this is us like we got this like he's an Olympian coming in like he hasn't been here for two years so I had to sort of do my time a little bit and and get to know the guys but I think probably um I didn't have my best performances last year and then obviously I really probably have had the the best year I've had in terms of sort of performing when I needed to. And I think a lot of the younger guys sort of like far out, this guy's got it, like he knows what to do and sort of really seeing the, like 
my relationship with them sort of blossom a little bit, like more of an, on an, a one-to-one basis because they're a tough group to sort of like, um, there's lots of different things and not to get you bored on rowing chat. And in my role, like just understanding the, the young guys and, and forming a relationship and a connection and, and, and developing them, not only it's not my role to coach them, but like to, to mentor them and bring them on. And when there's times of tough and, and they're not really going well, they don't see purpose in what they're doing like that's where I sort of feel like I can interject a little bit and help out so that's probably been where I probably grown the most is and that was one big thing in our boat was understanding each other and, re- and the importance of relationships and communication and you don't like a coach can guide that but that that comes from within you and and, and how how important that is to you and that was a big thing that I sort of tried to instill in the boys this year and what was taught to me by me in 2016 with the older boys that I, when I rode in 2016 for my first time, there was two guys who had already been to the games and they really taught me about the importance of the stuff outside the boat. So, yeah, there's a lot of correlations, but, yeah, I feel like they are they, they, the, the father of the group. Yeah, well, I imagine you'll be mates for life, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So these guys, um, you know, two guys live in Canberra and one of the young boys is um, is from, from Perth, but obviously with the centre, everyone trains together and everyone lives, lives together and does it all together. So, now we'll... We'll be talking about this when we're old and grey and we'll reflect, so. <laughs> so cool. You kind of touched on it then. Before we get into the Olympics, you said you came back. So you left rowing, the sport. I don't know if you left, like, completely rowing, but you left Canberra and, like, training in that sort of group. Can you explain why and how you got back into it, I guess? Yeah, so I think it's sort of probably the most in, in, in relation to probably sort of periods I've had away from from rowing, um, and sort of back probably my first sort of little bit of a break I had. Uh, I took um, before the last cycle. I um, I guess I had some early success in my rowing career, leaving school, and I made a few national teams. And then sort of things for me probably weren't on the trajectory as sort of where I would have liked them to go. And I was probably not not really happy with how I was going. This is early on in my career, as so I was first coming out of school, and um, I probably bottled a lot of things up, and I, I came quite insular in my own thoughts, and I sort of avoided confronting the coach or taking myself down to the sheds and, and, and being with the group. And and it's so important um, reflecting now and, and my older self that the importance of, of surrounding yourself with with a good network and, and, and really, really believing in that network because it brings the best out of you. And I think at the time where I was probably suffering, I, um, I sort of took myself away from that, sort of like decided that that was the best way for me to go and um, I'll just do this on my own and, and slowly sort of, I just sort of took myself sort of away from the sport a little bit and I got my university degree done and I started working full-time as a teacher and it wasn't probably um, until 2013. That period was sort of around 2008, 9, 10 and 2013, um, to fast forward a little bit, I was, I basically sort of had a look at myself in the mirror and a lot of people at that time in that period thought, like, I think Cam's done, like he's he's not coming back to the sport, like he's had too many years away from it and I think he's doing some other stuff and I hate the word quit. Zoe, I'm never a quitter um, and it never really used to sort of sit right with me. And I guess like I sort of had to have a look at myself in the mirror and be like, you got to take yourself back to rowing. And no one else is sort of there to to wake me up to say, hey, you've got to go back to rowing. Remember what you said, like you told me. And it was about probably in 2013, I was working full time and I was working in the boarding house where I was working and assisting with the young the younger generation and of the school and I sort of was having to get up early and I had to take myself down to the shed and because I had to be at work by 20 past eight so I remember very clearly this back in probably when I first started getting back in the boat was 20 yeah end of 2012 start of 2013 wow. and like five o'clock 5 30 in the morning I'm the only one down there because I had to get to work and there was a lot of younger guys in the club who weren't working full-time at the at that present moment so I take myself down there I I get out there and I'm sitting in the middle of the Parramatta River. It's pitch black darkness. And I'm asking myself the question, like, what are you doing? Like, you haven't been out here for like four years. You haven't touched a single rowing boat. What are you, what are you doing? And I had a, like a real quite defining decision to make there was, do I continue and make this into a worthwhile session or do I just turn in and no one's going to know if I went rowing or not? The only person that's going to know is myself. And if I can be true to myself, I was at that moment, if I can just make it a right decision here that right decision will then become two right decisions and then that momentum and flow will start to happen and it's a real and and what I sort of take from that is if you can prove it to yourself that you can do something and you can back yourself you can knock down doors that you never thought were possible and that doesn't need to be sport that can be life in general and sometimes you get dealt 
a bad card. Like it's it's life. We're not built to sort of always be performing and 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 hitting PBs or just absolutely doing creaming life in general. There's going to be tough times. Look at us all right now. We're all in lockdown. We just had a postponement of the Olympic Games, but I, I come back to the core things that we all learn. And that was a real defining moment for me, which was, do I go in or do I make something of this? And 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 I really truly believe that if you can prove it to yourself, you can you can prove it to anyone else that you've got it. Um, and that doesn't need to be sport. And that for me then, in sort of the start of 2013, if you were to sort of say to me, this is, you're gonna go to the next two Olympic games and you're gonna win two, two Olympic medals. I would have said that you're mad. Like all I wanted to do was get out there and go rowing and do what I love and why I loved rowing was just getting out there and, and and loving what I was doing for myself. And that that probably started me on a bit of a bit of a path. And um, I made sort of three years later, I was at the start line of my first Olympic Games um, and won a silver medal. And then I guess um, came back from from Rio and I did take the sort of the first two years off after this Olympic cycle. I still I still trained full time, but I didn't represent Australia because to fund the Olympic dream to go around again I, I had a commitment to my work and they supported me and I um I came back and worked full-time in 2017 and and 2018 and again Zan and I my wife um we made I, I, she knew full well after supporting me on my road to Rio that she knew that I I wanted to go to Tokyo and win gold but also this was a now decisions that we needed to make as a couple and along this journey towards Tokyo. And sort of in 2018, we moved down to to Canberra because our sport has a, a national system. Um, but a big big highlight for me in 2018 is we got married. I asked her, Zan, to marry me in 2017. We went down to Tasmania and and look, that was some amazing years and so memorable. And and she's every high, every low, Zan um, is my biggest supporter and she's ridden them. But um, I, I think also to reflect on that, taking time off or sort of, taking time away from the sport was again, COVID was a, I'm a bit of a COVID success story, Zoe. Like this time last year, like with the, if the, the Olympic games were last year, I was in sort of selected in the B boat um, in, in sculling. Um, so there's a top boat picked and then there's a, a second boat picked. When I was in the second boat, cause my performances weren't going that well. And I, and I, I missed, I, I, I missed the, the seat in the top boat, but I was ready for the challenge of the, of the, the, the double skull and we had to go to final qualification. But then I remember this actually, just to interject, I remember so clearly, I, I'm going to give some backstory in the intro, but I remember so my sister, who's really close with Zanny and Zanny's younger sister, who Zanny is your wife and saying, Oh my God, poor Cam, like he, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't made the whatever it was at that point. I don't really know the technical terms. And I remember thinking, like, the sacrifice that you'd made to get to that point, you know, prolonging, you know, your family and where you're at. I remember just thinking, fuck, you know. Yeah, and exactly. And I think sort of then we, and I can sort of touch on um, some other parts of what was happening. in. Yeah, get into it, get into it. <laughs> But um, I guess from a like just from a rowing perspective, so then COVID struck, and so here we are, sort of March 2020, just been announced, sort of on the the Aussie team, which then would make up the Olympic team, and then COVID struck, and um, I remember going home to Zan that day, and or, or actually I messaged her and said the centre's closed, they've postponed the Olympics, and like we're in like in shock, um, and and a lot of the younger guys were, and and so they had to close the centre in Canberra, and everyone went back to their home locations, and um, Oh, we were in Canberra. That's where we were living. Zanny was working. She was working full time, and she was now uh, working from home. And I guess we spoke about it. And 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 absolutely, Zan's first answer was, "Well, we've we've come this far. Um, you've got it. Like we've got to keep going." And and absolutely, that was my dream as well to still go to Tokyo. And I'd put so much time and so much effort and sacrifice so much. And I guess I sort of used COVID a little bit as an opportunity. And we, and sometimes you get. In life, you get opportunities, and so and and you and you and you got to grab them. And this opportunity, which lied ahead for me during COVID, was, well, I can sit around and wait for the centre to, to open back up again, and 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 wait for someone to to call me to tell me to go back to training, or I can take this opportunity now to get in front of my competitors. And so I figured out a way to get a rowing boat and, and and support around that. I figured out how to get a rowing machine, how to get the weights down in the basement of my apartment that I was living in. And I guess for me, it was about seizing that opportunity and getting back to what I love about the sport, what works for me and, 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 and taking control of that. Um, and three really simple things in life that um, doesn't just have to be sport. Again, it can just carry through to all parts of life. But if you can really understand what truly um, 
makes you successful and and for me it was in my rowing stroke and being consistent with my training then I could sort of get ahead of the game and take this opportunity on that I've been given to me and let everyone else wallow and be trained when they wanted to train I was like well I want to go to the Tokyo uh, Olympics and it's in rowing and we go on the water so I need to be on the water and I need to figure out that there's probably uh, my competitors around the world are probably on the water right now so I need to be doing the same so and then fast forward to trials this year um I, I I was top ranked athlete I PB'd on the rowing machine by three seconds you smashed it and, and I did really well and yeah. And I sort of, people ask sort of what's, what's the turnaround in some of those things. Well, I guess some simple messages. I took the opportunities where they were, I was faced with. Um, I took control of um, what I wanted to and, and how I was going to get there. I kept things simple, but I also put a bit of perspective in my life as well and not just sort of, I did a bit of career development things. I I was there for my, for my wife, for Zan and, and my wife who that, at that time, um, made me cry i've got my tissues <laughs> yeah, it was was pregnant and 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 i sort of think that sort of reflecting that sort of start of of 2020 for us and and, and rowing and um and as i said before that like zana's has been my absolute rock and has been there for all the highs and all the lows and, and in 2020 when and, and even before that in 2019 we family has always been something that has been really important to us and we come from really strong family backgrounds and, and really close families and, and 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 values and and having that around us was really important and we wanted to have our own family and start our own family and factoring that in as a couple in in olympic in olympic cycle in olympic year in olympic trials and we were sort of planning things in 2019 and sort of oh if we fall pregnant here Zan might be able to travel here it's this three months or it'll how nice would it be to have a little baby boy or baby girl with you in Tokyo and all these sorts of things in 2020 and, and and we were getting really excited by all these things and and really planning it like sort of one of those things where we probably had to step through a few things because some of the the things that we had to sort of manage was how does it look from a training perspective how does it look from a travel perspective not so sort of take out taking out COVID I'd go to Europe for for eight weeks to go and compete and train how did that look like from a family how do we get Zan over there and then so we were starting we were we were planning and, and, and we sort of tried sort of to fall pregnant in 2019 and, and then in 2020 as well. And yeah, we both sort of, we rode the highs and we also rode the lows as well, like that all couples do. And oh, trying it, to conceive is, we only did it briefly with Blake, but I have a lot of friends who have tried and it's just, it's exhausting and emotional and it makes you question so much. So to have that going on in your personal life and then everything going on in the rowing world with COVID and the world changing. And and also I imagine there'd be added pressure of you thinking, oh, we fell pregnant this month, then you might be able to come with the baby or I might be able to be here for the birth or like there must be so much to factor in in your mind. Yeah, absolutely right, Zoe. And then sort of sort of around that sort of 2020, we were, we were trying and, and I was sort of January, February is the lead up to Olympic trials, which happened in March. And yeah, we we had a few disappointments, and and I think sort of for me, I um, and we both we we both were there to support each other because it was something that we wanted so much together as a, as a couple, and 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 we so desperately wanted it. And whilst it was sort of I was sort of I guess uh, in the midst of wanting to make the Olympic team and and, and go to Tokyo and focusing on on my training and and having the sort of the disappointments that. I was having sort of with Zan and I and and and, and sort of disappointment setbacks I guess in terms of our plan and um and for me I probably sort of started to question a little bit like oh is it is it me like am I training too hard or am I worrying too much am I overthinking things or do I have to am I devoting too much time to other people and I think life sort of as we know like we we, we all live really really busy lives and we get pulled in certain different different sort of ways and for me it was the rowing and I was really focused on it but I also at the same time the person that I am I was so focused and wanting to commit to Zan so much and what we wanted as a couple like I'd do anything in that time to something that I could pluck from anywhere just one thing it would be just to be there for her and to to fall pregnant in that time like if I look back on it but I guess um can I just say it's really refreshing to hear a man's point of view in the whole trying to conceive world. I listen to a lot of podcasts and interview a lot of people. I'm actually working with a fertility specialist right now. And it is really nice to hear a male's point of view because I imagine so many men feel this 
but maybe don't have a safe space or whatever, feel confident enough in themselves to say that, hey, I'm feeling like this. I'm questioning my body. Because I know when we were trying to conceive for that tiny period of time, is it me? Was that wine I drunk? Probably not a great idea. Did it affect it? Was, you know, am I underweight? Am I over? Like there's so much stuff yeah. that goes into no, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. And and and, and I'm only sort of we've only I'm only a six month old, seven month old father. But I think when and like reflecting on that time of of falling pregnant and then fast forward to the start of 2021 and oh uh, sorry, sorry, in sorry, in of 2020, like when COVID struck a bit and games were postponed and we fell pregnant probably a month or a little bit after sort of a little bit of information. I sort of reflect on that time. I'm like, well, maybe like a little bit of the stress and the the anxiety and the pressures that we were putting on ourselves or personally for me, um, I can only talk on my behalf here, but the pressures I probably felt coming on to me a little bit from everything around me, whilst you might not think about it, but they're turning in the background, like that negative bias is turning in the background. And I, I'm no psychologist, but I've had lots of chats to sports psychologists and some of the messaging I think is so important and stress being a huge one. And I think sort of when I had that like, oh, okay, now I can sort of figure out this rowing stuff and I was getting back to the person that I was and I was enjoying what I was doing and Zan and I were hanging out and we probably just personally just both just chilled out a little bit. We kind of had a bit of a gauge of where the rowing was going because it was postponed and I could probably have a bit of a break and then we fell pregnant and I think sort of around that time and then in those next couple of months I found myself and all everyone around you so excited for you and, and, and you're also very conscious of, of, of other couples as well and this was my reflection and I was like but I know my mates as well uh, some have got little bubs and, and we obviously wanted to have little bubs like they were they had and and then other mates I knew that sort of were wanting to have families as well and and I remember sort of really two um, really um, vivid conversations I was having in, a, in, in a, uh, on the way home from a, a session with a couple of my mates and I remember Zambi like where are you like I'm, I'm where are you I'm, I'm deep in conversation and I was with two of my best mates and on like two separate phone calls and we're having this chat and he's like I was there, there. I was like oh yeah I know it's like he was sort of opening up sort of slowly to me and and I was like you know what mate like I'm so happy that you are sharing your thoughts with me because I was in exactly the same shoes from the male perspective. And I can only give the perspective from my side, but sort of that idea that like you want to really feel that you want to be the one that sort of can be there for your, your wife or your partner and and how sort of that idea of all those what if this and what if that, like that train of thought, like whilst you're in, it may not have that impact, but to be brave enough and have that little bit of level of vulnerability to share it with someone, I think from a male perspective is is really quite courageous. And I think for two blokes, like two good mates, just to have a yarn about it, it it's really helpful. Um, not only for me to reflect, but also to to help somebody else from a male's perspective. And I think we've got to be brave enough to sort of know that we've got to have that little little level of a little bit of vulnerability, not to sort of divulge everything, but just to feel like there's someone else out you that has walked the shoes that you're feeling like you're in right now and you're not alone. Um, yeah, 100%. That's how this podcast was born. It's, you know, our journeys will, might be someone's survival guide. You don't know by, you know, you talking about something, it might actually give them the skills, the confidence, the resources, even just the weight of talking sometimes and getting it off your chest makes you feel so much lighter about things and I think I don't know I hate to say it's a gendered thing but I feel like men sometimes do struggle with that to you know talk about how they're feeling in situations that might not necessarily be something that they commonly speak about so it is really refreshing to hear you talk about it and I have no doubt that anyone listening whether it be you know someone's partner you know passing this on to your partner to listen to I think will be really, really insightful. So yeah, no, look, I um, I can, I can only probably just talk from my sort of um personal reflection and and the connection that a few few from my friends had and with conversations around sort of falling pregnant with your partner and and and, and what did it mean or sort of that question, oh, what did you guys do? And yeah, just, but like <laughs> just to sort of share a little bit about like. Yeah, yeah. We, we sort of were going down this path and then to sort of say, oh, yeah, we did the same and sort of say, oh, well, we sort of don't, we kind of did the apps and we we tracked this and monitored this and they go, oh, we did the same. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, but then we sort of just got to the point where we were like, why don't we just chill out and, and just just live for the moment and be with each other and, and let's just sort of 
see what sort of happens. And, and that was our little thing. And, and for them to sort of say, oh, I'm really glad, like, I'm really happy that I feel like I'm not alone. And, and like it's sort of sharing those sort of bit of those common experiences, I think, as, as males. Well, I found it really, um, really powerful and, and connecting and, and, and almost sort of sort of two blokes just having a chat about sort of their lives and, and really meaningful stuff. I think it's really powerful. And, and, and if that, I, I feel that that really helped them and, and what they're going through and, and hopefully sort of if everyone is listening to this conversation you might be able to say hey like I'm going through that now or I reckon like I could share this with my partner and, and it might be a good point of discussion or it might help those things because I really believe that sometimes the more we talk about things and we share things that sometimes you you, you find answers just by chatting and and, and having conversation and, and being good communicators but sometimes being even better listeners you know like really listening um to people's advice and not telling you how to do it, but just listening to things that you might want to pick up. And I definitely was like that. And, um, and Zan sort of, she, she was so sort of um, strong and, and, and sort of uh, resilient in these times. And I picked up sort of from her so many amazing things as well. So I think. Um, you guys are honestly just listening to you now and, you know, just knowing Zan, you know, outside of this whole conversation that we're having, you're such a great team. Like you're honestly the most incredible team. You're so supportive of one another. And the sacrifice you were talking about it a little bit earlier that she's had to make to be there and, you know, moving her life down there so you can have your life together. And, you know, in turn, the way you speak about her is just so beautiful. And I can feel the love you feel for her through the computer. Like it's really strange. And it's just, it's a really cool thing to hear. I appreciate that, Zoe. What's your advice to a dad who might have a wife who's or a partner who's pregnant right now? What are the one percent of the things that you, yeah, like, you picked I up on? I think my biggest one, and like, and Zan probably won't like. Sometimes just don't ask the questions, answer them for yourself, and just get it done. Like that would probably be my my <laughs> probably personal reflection would be if there's a point in time we're going to ask a question about something and you know the answer or you kind of got a bit of an idea, just just do it anyway because that'll resolve things. And then I think you won't um, sort of open up things that you probably were like, oh, why did I ask that type thing? And you'll avoid them. So that would be my personal reflection. I think that might be Toby's as well, to be honest with you. Is just... well, I, think it's a good, I think it's a good one for all males out there. Sort of if you know the answer that you're going to ask already for the question, just, just go and do it. Um, and I think that would uh, – it'll, it'll – It'll pay off in time, um, but if you had that little sort of idea, I reckon it's a good one. So that would be my little, uh, my reflection of my my first time of my our first sort of pregnancy together. But then I guess sort of obviously the start of this year, little our little Patty was born in in January. And, and yeah, tell us about Patty. We've spoken about him, so he's six months old. Six months old now. We're coming on seven months soon, and um, so he was born in January. And and again, so you probably some of the listeners are going, oh, isn't it January like? three months out from the Olympic like Olympic trials and it's like absolutely it is so we knew that this was coming and and, and I was sort of prepared and we sort of discussed like he's going to be born in, in January like it's ahead of trials I was like yep like I'm, I'm good for this like this is something that we wanted and we'll work through things because when you want something so badly you will find a way and you'll do anything to get that um and we, we, we knew this and we'd known it for a while, but I knew what I sort of had to do from my side of things for the family and to be there for her. And also the road will be okay. It'll be, it'll all work itself out. And I think if you have that type of mindset and approach to things, it will all sort of work out. But I think if you overthink things and um, um, I guess sort of thinking about the what ifs um, this happens, it, it can come sort of quite negative. And that was always from a performance side in rowing. One of my biggest downfalls is overthinking things. And so I, I I couldn't have that happen for my family and me to be in that mindset for, for her and to be there for her. her. So it actually um so his his birth was actually on um I had a national rowing test on the rowing machines that day that he was born. So he actually got me out of the first one of the Olympic trial testing monitor monitored things that we had. So I remember a funny story about his birth. So it was on a um on a Monday, Monday the 18th, and at sort of roughly about 11 o'clock. But um, the night before, I knew I, I had a national ergo test. It's like, sort of like step one of the Olympic trials on the rowing machines. And I was prepping for that. And about um, maybe midnight, one o'clock, Zam was like, oh, do you mind just going downstairs and getting a heat pack? Um, and, and, and Zam was pretty much full term, maybe two days over. So she was due on the Friday. And 
she was ready to go. We were really, really ready. There was lots of sort of, she's like, okay, I'm, I'm there going like, okay, it's all right. Like being a supportive person, like that we have to be, but Zan was there for me on Sunday night going, no, you need, you've got your ergo test tomorrow. Like you need to prepare and let's make sure that's a focus. And I was like, okay. But then at the same time at one o'clock in the morning when I'm getting asked for the heat pack, like. What a woman though. What a woman. Holy shit. <laughs> so and then she goes oh maybe <laughs> I remember she goes maybe you should go downstairs because like look if it's not if it's nothing like you've got your ergo test you've got to focus on that that was at nine o'clock on Monday morning so this is now one o'clock in the morning oh, about two or three o'clock comes down and she calls out she says I need I think it was maybe water or another another heat pack it's getting worse and I was like okay so I think we're on here um and so about five o'clock comes around and if Dan's listening she's probably going to say oh you got it all wrong like um, but <laughs> like- Roughly, roughly. <laughs> yeah, roughly, yeah. So that'll that'll help me out. Hey Zoe, like I'll say roughly. So about five or five o'clock comes around and, and we were sort of um she was like, Oh, I'm feeling uncomfortable and like we were sort of oh, we were up and sort of looking after her now and then sort of six o'clock came around and um the contractions were starting to happen and I was sort of there with the heat pack and the um the tens machine and I was sort of so many things were going on. I couldn't count the 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 contractions on the phone, like I'm like contractions are going I, I couldn't control anything. I had the stopwatch going, I had the phone going, I had the tens machine going. I'm there like, what more can I do here? Like, I don't know what to do. Like every other partner out there. So I'm just there going like, get this. This is Toby. Like, it's actually crazy how much, like, we're so in it that we don't realise how much you guys are, like, doing. Like, little chickens with their heads cut off. Yeah, yeah. And so probably about... About six o'clock came around. I was like, I better not tell Zan that I'm going to message my coach and say I won't be at the ergo because I think we're having a baby. But I'll just do it on the side and be like, so I messaged my coach and I was like, look, I don't think I'm going to make the ergo test this morning. Um, we're going to have a baby. And he wrote back, awesome. I'll put that in the uh, the selection document as um, medical. So I was like, okay, cool. I won't be there. Anyway, that was done. And then, so we called the. Um, then we, we 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 did it through a midwife, a midwife program down in in Canberra and. Can I just ask with the rowing? Were they they knew this was potentially? Oh, yeah. yeah, so they knew that sort of when full term was and it was going to be around this sort of date and so but we they sort of were expecting me to rock up and and do the the row, row machine test but obviously I wasn't there I was I had more important things to do, <laughs> and so got to about seven o'clock and and we um with the midwifery program at the, the Canberra hospital, which was an amazing, amazing, amazing. I can't talk highly enough about it. Sounds like call the midwife. And so I called the midwife and we're like, she's like, Oh, this is fantastic. Like it could be a long day. Like, let's just like stay calm, stay hydrated, do all the right things. I was like, okay, cool. Like things are going good. Zan's like, it's not good. <laughs> um, and about half an hour or an hour later, she's like, call her back. I'm, I need, I'm need to come in. Um, and so I was making the phone call, trying to be really nice. And I was like, give me the phone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so she's talking to the midwife and sort of explained everything because I, I don't think I was doing a very good job. So the midwife came around and and, and examined Zan and um and I'm there just going like wow this is wow this is so exciting and so amazing. <laughs> like I'm like this is full on I'm all ready the bags were packed everything was good to go like so uh, exciting don't you think? It is. Oh absolutely and you just like you talk about it and reflect here I am reflecting on it but it is such an amazing journey that the the male side of it um, experiences. And so examined and Zan was um, eight centimetres dilated and the the midwife goes, I think you're going to have a baby this morning. Are you okay to get to the hospital? And we were like, oh, well, we just thought we'd just drive there. Um, oops, sorry. Um, no, 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 that's fine. Do you need to take it? I interrupt today's episode to say a big thank you to Pepico for giving me all the skin confidence and for sponsoring today's episode. As I said at the beginning, Pepico LED Light Therapy Mask is a safe, non-invasive treatment that helps you with any of your skin concerns. Each light helps with different issues. The blue light helps with acne bacteria and has anti-inflammatory effects. The yellow light helps with pigmentation and sun damage. And the red light helps with the production of collagen and revitalize the appearance of skin that shows the signs of aging, which nobody wants. I'm so excited to say that I'm five weeks into my LED light therapy journey and my skin is glowing. I also fought really hard to get you guys a fab discount code, which is 40% off store-wide. That is an epic discount code. So head to peppico.com to start your light therapy journey. And like I said at the start, Thank me later because you will be. Alrighty, let's get back into the episode. No, no, no. Um, um, and so we we're like, oh, well, I guess we just 
we'll drive to the hospital. She's like, oh, well, you can get an ambulance if you can't get in your car. But we sort of just assumed that we were um, we were going to be going in the um, in, in my car and I was going to drive. And, and anyway, so that's what we planned. So the bags were in there and off we went. And, and Zan was like, I, I don't think I can do this. And I was like, I'm going to get you there. And being in Canberra, everything was only 10 minutes away. So... It's uh, camera, right? Isn't everything yeah, close? Everything's close. So just all about roundabouts. And so um, there we are just um, off on our sort of way, probably about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock now, and Zan got admitted and they I rushed. She was 8 centimetres and you guys were at home. Yeah, yeah. So it, like I know, like upon reflection and when we spoke to the midwives and, and, and reflecting on it, they were like, wow, like you are one tough tough, yeah, tough. so tough. tough. And her tough. body must have been so ready because they say first, can take a really long time. Yeah, and then um, probably, um, so then maybe coming there about nine, just before, and then just under two hours later, little Patrick James Girdlestone um, was born, and I sort of just remember it all, and uh, yeah, it was an amazing day, like truly, truly amazing, and having the families down, the, the families came down sort of a couple of days later, and that was a very special week and a couple of weeks for, for me, and, and then probably... Probably, yeah, sort of six weeks, seven weeks after that, I had my Olympic trials um, and I managed that period really well um, and, and wanting to be uh, supportive. We had our in-laws and um, my parents came down for some help and everyone just just really sort of got behind us and knew that sort of it was so important to, number one, to be there for Zan and, and, and for Patty, but also for allowing me the opportunity to be the best athlete that I could be at trials. And I guess some of the, the things that I, I learned about myself was um, – that one not to overthink things and just take things as they come um and live in the moment a little bit um and be really present um and i think sometimes i got a bit caught up in rowing um and being constantly sort of and being in the center doing it every single day and having that almost having the blinkers on a little bit i lost a little bit of by who i am and the, and, the, and the person that i am whilst you think you're managing all sometimes you just you're not sort of having a bit of that perspective and being in the moment and I, i'd sort of the on off switch of rowing i could come home and like I could see Zan and, and be there for her and be there for the for, for Patty and just to have hugs and um and in that preparation period like Zan was just an absolute rock for for me and 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 supporting me and knowing that recovery is really important for me and and how all that sort of played out but we absolutely we made it work and it's and and I'm I'm not here today with a bronze medal and going to the Olympic Games if it's not for her truly that's that's just that's just True, true. Like, I, I'm not going to lie about it. Like, that's, I'm absolutely indebted to the work that Zan has done. And to reflect a little bit is I've been away for the last seven weeks and she's been solo in Canberra, but just due to the lockdowns and things. But um, we've sacrificed a lot. And I know Zan has also sacrificed a lot for, for me and, and, and also for obviously she's absolutely loves every second with him. But I know that there's been some really tough times over the last block and whilst with me not being there. And oh, I know yeah, it's yeah. really, I know yeah, it's hard. And getting as a new mum, you know, it's hard. It's really hard. And the the hardest thing I imagine too as well is she knew you were going to be away, but she didn't probably know that she could have no support coming down to Canberra to help her. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and we sort of selections and and then sort of talking more closely to the last sort of like build into the to the to Tokyo Games. We were away for um we were going to originally be away for four weeks up in up in Rockhampton before we travelled to, to Tokyo, and we were going to uh, we knew this was coming up, and we'd also over the last couple of months had had blocks away where I was away at sort of week week sort of increments. We went up to Queensland, and we went to Adelaide, and we went to Victoria. So in the last probably um, probably since uh, March being selected, I've been away probably it'll be a total of probably 13 weeks. So it's quite a considerable amount of time. Um, and I think sort of this is this will be the biggest block, which will be just under by the time we get home after quarantine now um it'll be um seven weeks sort of uh on sunday when i go home and um yeah when we faced the sort of when i was leaving it was um we didn't really know the lockdown and all sort of starting to happen and then it almost just went from bad to worse a little bit and we we looked at sort of trying trying to get some support for zam's mum to come down and we applied for it but it didn't sort of come through and but i just to uh, Zan was just so strong and the Canberra network and the families down there in Canberra got around her and we have these lovely um, next door neighbours in our flat at, um, next to us and we almost sort of adopted them as our, our, our Canberra grandparents and they've been fantastic oh. as well. And um, But at the at the core of it, it's the, the absolute rock of our household, the strongest willed person and that's my wife. Um, 
and I learned so much from her. Oh, I'm just, just hugely um, proud of also what she's achieved as well as a mum, as a new mum and doing it on her own. And um, lots of people want to hear about my success, but behind all athlete success, there's even a, a bigger support network and, and, and stronger people to get you there. And, and they sacrifice a lot. And, and that's and that's Zan and my family. But I think more so for me, more closely, it's, it's Zan and, and, and little Patty. And especially over the last seven weeks, like some of the things I've seen, like FaceTime's amazing and technology is really cool, but it's not living in the moment, being there. And I've seen, God, what have I seen over the last seven weeks over FaceTime? He's sitting up now on his own. He's got this like really fast bear crawl that he's doing. He's, he's eating solids. And probably one of the questions people might ask is how do you do, how did you deal with being away or like what advice would you give to parents that spend a lot of time away? And I think one big thing is like we always, and Zan and I had experienced as a couple, like me being away for months on end over in Europe and it's being committed to staying as connected as you can um, and really buying into that. Um, and I know that sounds a bit like, yeah, but that's easy to say. But yeah, it is easy to say. But it's it's even harder to make sure you're doing it. And we would make sure that we we chatted once a day, and we and even still like with little Patty that whenever I had the opportunity or or what did I sort of do when I was in Rome? Well, I'd either scroll through photos or videos of him, or we'd have a little FaceTime. Or if I probably sometimes got barred from a FaceTime because she'd be like, I'm putting him down. I can't talk. Or like, sometimes, <laughs> and I wouldn't keep calling, obviously. So that was not a great idea. But just to, just to try and as best we could sort of share the moment so they felt like they were with me um, and I felt like I was with them as best I could because not having them there in the grandstand, I've always sort of dreamt of having my, my uh, having a kid at their games, at my sporting competitions and sharing it with them and this would have been the icing on the cake and, and Zan's been to a lot of my, she was at Rio, she's been to all my international regattas, most of them, um, but this one was, yeah, particularly hard and yeah I've always just looked at those, some of those athletes that have their kids there and go like oh I just want that one day yeah. but um I knew that they were there watching and, and supporting and um and, and and one day I'll be able to sort of uh sit him down and, and and talk him through this Olympic Games but I um and also share tell him how how amazing his mum was when I, when daddy was away um right. doing his rowing stuff but I I think um you got to commit. It is hard. Like when, when couples are away and, and, and one's at home doing it tough and looking after the kids. And in my experience, I can just talk of and then and, and for me being away and missing a lot of things and sacrificing. But I think truly believing in that staying connected as best you can. You said it so perfectly. Is It's putting in the work and the time. And, you know, there are, I imagine, you know, I think you mentioned earlier, a lot of younger athletes that are probably navigating their Olympic careers very differently to how you have to, because you do have, you know, I imagine the financial stress and you've got a wife with a baby and a pregnancy and, you know, the, the different things that come with it. Um, it was actually, I was looking up um, Olympians with children and a lot of them don't have children. So yeah, it's funny. I, I think because it is such a demanding consuming experience is that correct do you think yeah, yeah like I think sort of and 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 it's a it's not just the uh, I sort of touched on before behind every great athlete there's even a better support team and, and, a, and a wife and a partner or a, or a mum and a dad or, or something like that and that's and that's really true because at this level and at sort of the, the high pressure stakes if you're injured or you have a setback sometimes you can be put on the sideline or put out of the boat or not make it um and you sacrifice and you, and you put on hold a lot of parts of your life and i and to not have that sort of support network to help you get through it i have i've experienced when i was touching on at the start the when things aren't going well and you bottle it up and you and you shift away from your support networks and you don't reach out for help and one of the biggest pieces of advice that i give to a lot of the young young athletes that i mentor is be brave enough to ask for help when you you don't want to ask for it um, because you think it might be the wrong thing to do. Asking for help is never the wrong thing to do. It's a brave thing and it's a bold characteristic in any parts of life um, and not just sport. And and I learned that from a young age and I suffered the consequences of it and I know what the bottom feels like, but I also know what the top feels like. But I think everything in between, it's all about life lessons and that was a life lesson that I learned and I think I'm a stronger athlete because I've experienced it and i bit older now and I can reflect on that and that's why I I, I I sort of try and have that as a key message that I like to give to young athletes or even sort of some of the audiences that I speak to that like 
that's probably one of the the key defining moments in my life was is, is being able to share that. And I'm no closed book. Like I want to help people achieve greatness in their lives as well. And if one percent of what I say um, wears off on somebody else, or they can say, hey, "I remember that," or like, what that person said, then like that gives me like so much joy um, for me. Um, to but help. you are helping people. But like honestly, even just this conversation now, it's giving me so much insight into something I had no idea about. The respect I already had so much respect for you and for Zanny and for athletes in general. But it's just grown tenfold because you've just given that little bit of insight into kind of what your life has been. And it's only a tiny snippet. You know, I can't even imagine. And it's funny you touched on the asking for help. Um, You know, my sister Jess, she struggles a lot with mental health and a lot of particularly men. And I keep bringing it back to men, but struggle to put their hand up and ask for help. They think it's a sign of weakness. But to anyone listening, asking for help is the ultimate sign of strength, in my opinion. I think it's such a beautiful characteristic to have and it's never something to be ashamed of so i love that you touched on that yeah i i, I can't sort of speak high enough about it zoe like I, I just from just my personal experiences just in, in within sport and, and and what it meant for me um i didn't do it um and i suffered the consequences from a bit of a sport in general but also a bit of life as well like i was sort of going well and, and not to say that things spiraled out of shape for me but i just I bottled things up. I try to do it on my own, and 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 I sort of reflecting now, I can see sort of where that the the poor decisions that I made, and one of those being being brave enough and and for asking for help, and that's why I think as you touched on it, it is so important. It's a key message I think for for young males out there, or yeah, males out there in general. I just being absolutely brave enough. It's a very bold and brave characteristic to know that hey, I I need help like and it's okay like and it is okay to ask for help and it's and it's also it's it's also brave to ask someone else like checking in and asking are they okay or do you need help and the answer might be no and that's okay but if someone did that to me back when I was sort of going through sort of the not being successful or I was in that period of where I didn't want to ask for help if someone said hey do you need some help or come on like let's come down the shed I know you're struggling like you need to be you need to be down here I probably would have at the time being like, oh, I better do that because he, he wants me to do that or, or my coach needs me down here. So that power also to help other people is really is really brave as well to know when you can help somebody else. Um, and they, it, it, that one question might bring it out in them. And so you never know that until you ask. So Checking on everyone, 100%. And, and I know sort of um, it's, it's, yeah, it's really important. I'm really passionate about it like because it's, it's, it's helped me so much. I can see on your face how passionate you are about it. So it's really nice to actually hear you speak about it. But we've touched on the Olympics. Can I ask how was it? And a lot of questions on Instagram. Where's my phone? It's actually, oh, it's dead. It's over there. One of the questions was, um, because you've been to both Olympics, I said, what was the different experience with, you know, obviously COVID being thrown into the mix and just a completely, you know, different games? Yeah. So um, I guess, uh, yes, a very, very different games. And um one obviously being the big one with no spectators um, and the postponement, but um, like a really full credit to the to the Japanese government to to really fight hard to have the Olympics. It was and to give the athletes at the end of the day competition and a chance to 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 race their competition from around the world and and, and show what they're made of, um, which I think was was really awesome. Um, I think for me, um, I guess for at the core of it. Um, being a debutant at my first Olympics and then at this Olympics being a second Olympics and having that little bit more experience. Um, but I think both were very rewarding in, um, yeah, one, one, obviously winning, winning a medal. I wanted to go there to both and win gold. Um, but it's also what I learned about my, myself and some of the, the characteristics that I, I draw on to this day and what I, what I learned. And I think number one, is the aspect of, of teamwork and, and, and doing things together with your teammates. Um, coming into the crew in 2016, two guys in the boat had been to the London Olympics and won a bronze medal, and myself and my um, the other debutant in the crew, um, he, we sort of like sort of figured out, like, and they sort of sort of shared with us that not through their words but more so through their actions and how they went about their daily sort of training and their consistency, how to train like Olympians, but more so how to – how to train like you're going to go to win a medal, which is about that really understanding your role, understanding 
what your what your role and responsibilities are to accrue and committing to that and and what do I have to do almost that idea of what do I have to do to bring the best out of you type thing or my teammates and what do they have to do to bring the best out of me because ultimately that type of approach is that the boat's going to go faster and we're going to do it together and, and we're going to be way better off with that approach than me doing what I need to do. Um, you have to be so in sync in rowing, don't you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think sort of in sync in all, like, yes, the rowing, but in, in, in how you're we're approaching things together, um, how we're communicating with each other and, and relationships, as I spoke about before, because when you sit on the start line of an Olympic final, you need to have absolute complete trust in the guy sitting in front of you and behind you. And you need to know that they're going to deliver for their job and what they said that they're going to do. And and that's really important and that's really powerful. And yes, they don't hand out the medals to the crews that um, do that really well. It's the process of, of that being successful is that you will go fast together and ultimately those crews that their processes are really strong and really bold and, and, and really, really built, almost built different, will be the ones that are successful. And I think that was one thing coming into the crew this year for me stepping into that sort of senior role bit of a leader having the experience was really bringing us together as a a really tight-knit crew that really had a a strong appreciation for each individual and the individual characteristics that we bring to the crew we used to have this little saying in our crew this year that we were built different than to the other crews and that was what we meant by that was that we really knew um, we were we were strong together we were not united together and we were not going to go alone we were going to do it as one so are you aware this is a you said you're very you know how you want to run your race i imagine you've gone through and through as a team when you're in that moment in the olympic final are you aware of you know i know other people race you go fast to start or whatever and you have different strategies are you aware of the boats around you yeah, so it's um I guess it's sort of um, we each all have just sort of different roles sort of in and around sort of calling the race and, and who's doing the looking out in a rowing race and and the two seat in our boat um, his role was to do the the looking um, and seeing where we're at um, because if you've got everyone looking what's going on around us you start to lose um, concentration and you're going to get distracted and that's going to have an impact on your on your mindset and I've said said it before about being really present. Um, and I think that can have an impact. And so his role, and he and he's he was the caller in our boat, so he'd make the calls of where we are or, or so how we're talking, going. are you? And so he does the talking. So not like big conversations. It yeah. might be like sort of small little technical cues, or he might say we need to we need to go a bit like there's, they've got we talk about half a length or three quarters of a length on another own boat. He'd be like we're half a length down. We need to we need to move a little bit or we need to do this. Um, and so he would be the eyes and the ears of, of everything. And, and for me um, and the other guys hearing that, you just got to absolutely trust and back his call. And that comes back to that, that, that unity and trust. Like we absolutely trusted his calls. And in our race and reflecting a little bit of our final, um, we were coming to the last 500 metres and, and rowing being a 2,000-metre race. And we were in a position where we had to fight for a medal. Like we weren't the, – the Dutch were clear. Um, I remember of, watching it. I thought I was going to vomit. Yeah. <laughs> So we probably had a few people back in Australia on their edge of their seat, and um, we're coming in the last little bit. And he and and Caleb, the the, the gentleman in the two seat, is like, we need two seats right now. And we sort of measure against other crews as sort of the 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 distance of seats. Like if you need to move up on a crew, it's if you're level with a seat, like you want to come up and move up and advance a seat. So he's like, I need two seats, which means we basically need about three meter, four meter advantage on the crew that's sort of coming third and we were coming fourth at that stage and so we just in that last little bit he gave the call and we just absolutely committed and then he said I need another one and this is about 150 meters to go which is about 15 strokes maybe 12 strokes um because the of the intensity and we just trusted his call and we just trusted each other and and you absolutely commit you don't ask you don't ask questions you just and you can't have that little sort of negativity bias at the back going like oh maybe not today, like, don't do that. Like, just, you've got to commit. And we, and and to be really present in that moment, because as soon as you lose that and, you, and, you, and you're distracted by something else, well, you could catch water or you could slow down. You could impact this, the, the result. And we crossed the line and on the screen sort of to the right, they sort of had the little sort of AUS and all the different GBR. And, and then AUS popped up at third. And um, I probably never claimed a bronze medal more than that. Um, and people were like, oh, you must have, you, you look so excited. And I was like, 
I absolutely was because of the journey and, and the four of us of where we've come from um, and what we learn about each other. And, and what came- a race. Like, every, like, besides, you know, silver and gold, amazing. They did incredible. But to watch you guys finish and fight so hard for that bronze medal was epic. Like, sitting back in Australia, I was sitting with my kids on the couch and I got up and Heidi calls you Bella's brother. I know you're not Bella's brother, but that's what she calls. She's like, go Bella's brother, go Bella's brother. I was like, oh, my God, they're not going to do it. And then you did it, and it was insane. It was epic. And yeah, look, it, it was it was amazing. And then uh, and also for, for the sport of rowing, um, we had four races and, and two gold medals and two bronze medals in, within the hour of racing. And, and it was a really proud moment to be a part of and also to share it with everyone else as well was was really um was really memorable and um that was probably one of the biggest memories I take away is is doing it with all my so my three immediate crewmates but also the wider team as well and the success that we we shared together and you and and we were so happy for everyone's medal color like it didn't matter we could you would imagine we'd all won gold the way that we were embracing each other and and it's also a representation for the hard work that everyone else puts in and I spoke about it before and I've touched on it again that idea behind every great athlete there's even better support staff and support networks and whilst there's the athletes get the, the medals on the dais there's a there's an army of of staff and and support staff and close teammates underneath them that give them that that opportunity and we had amazing 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 support staff in in Rowan Australia and I again they just I wouldn't be the athlete I am without their help and their guidance and 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 really backing me and and all those sort of things. So that's really important. And, I, and if there's anyone out there, like if you get to meet an Olympian, ask them, ask them what it what what was your journey like? Or how did you how did you get to the games? Because I know you want to sort of hear about the games, but ask them sort of what did it take then? Because then you'll really. I feel like I should have asked you that at the start. <laughs> oh no no, it's, it's I just sort of going forward it's, you'll hear some fascinating things because you'll tap into sort of little things that they're really proud of um and it might might not be the performance that they wanted at the games but they're really probably proud of of what got them there as well so journey that's it's just crazy like to think you know and when we heard the olympic games we didn't even know if they were going to be on at one point to yeah. think you've thrown everything into it for the last four or five years yeah and then, it's just, yeah, it was crazy to think, you know, what you guys have gone through. How cool. Well, just a few more questions that I've got from Instagram are, um, could you interact with other athletes from other countries? Um, yeah, so it was quite funny, like, with the interaction and the COVID. So to give you a bit of a, a COVID rundown of this games, um, so we, every morning, you'd have a COVID saliva test. Um, so just a spit test in a vial. That would be tested in the morning. You get your results back by the afternoon, and if that came back positive, um, you had to then um, have a, the, na- the nasal test for the for COVID. And then, if that was a second positive, you were removed from competition and, and isolated, and you weren't allowed to compete. So that's one thing we didn't hear a lot about. Were there many athletes? We heard a few of the American team in the athletics. I think we heard about. There were were there many? Yeah, there were, there were cases and. Probably the the biggest exposure zone or high risk area was the dining hall um, because you're you're surrounded by athletes from all countries and you had to always have a mask on. The only time you couldn't didn't have to have a mask on if you were eating or you're in your own room in your own personal space. So did you every, take it back to your room more often than not? We sort of would just um, we'd we'd limit our meals we had, we to 15 minutes max. So no conversation, just like no chilling out. It wasn't a place to get your phone out and hang out and we just would go in and eat and leave um, and sit. The dining hall is massive. Like the dining hall was two levels, um, huge, ginormous. Like Was the food good? Um, it was mixed, you know. Like it was it sort of had all different – like actually the Japanese food, compared to Rio, it was way better. Yeah, it was way better. So um, the Japanese sort of – they had Japanese cuisine, they had Asian cuisine – the Italian sort of the pizza and the parsley because you knew probably what you're going to get and parsley so you kind of can't really go wrong with pasta. So I had a lot of pizza and pasta whilst in competition, but then then after competition you got to explore all the different all the different sort of uh, different cuisines that were on offer and um, the AOC um, in the Australian Sports Tower like our tower had like a nutrition hub that had a lot of the the nice things from home and cereals and stuff and they sort of helped out with sort of lunch and um, breakfast as well. Um, so you kind of were just having one meal a day in the dining hall. So limiting exposure as much as you could. So, but was yeah, that's- to Rio in a sense that you couldn't really interact with other countries? 
Yeah, so um, uh, in yeah Rio, obviously, like we were, we stayed out of the village a little bit in Rio um, for competition, and then when we were finished, because it was a bit closer, the village was quite a distance away from the rowing course in Rio. Where in this one, it was only about a twenty-minute bus ride, so we stayed in the village the whole time. So that was a really unique experience uh, for me. I hadn't done a like in Rio. I'd into the whole time in the village, and the village is a great atmosphere. It's it's there's so many people around and. Like so many different walks of life and athletes, and you're, you're sort of brushing shoulders with all the stars of your own team, and um, you'd walk around and then you'd see sort of some of the U.S. basketballers, and then like all these stars, and and because of the new sports were there, the skateboarding and the BMX, and and down like Olympic Boulevard, you'd just see the skateboarders just skating along, and you'd be like popping off, sure. and they'd like do a trick or something like that, and it was awesome. It was such a good spectacle, and yeah. Um, and, did you, and, and, another question is, did you get to watch other people compete? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. So the answer, short answer to that is no, which was really disappointing because it was a bit of a, um, a topical debate amongst a lot of the athletes because we were vaccinated and it wasn't compulsory. It was strongly advised to from the AOC and they helped us to get vaccinated through, um, we had ours at the AIS down in, in Canberra, which was fantastic and a big thank you to the, um, the AOC for helping us out with that. But it wasn't for other countries, I don't know. Um, so... We were like, well, we're vaccinated. We're all going into the dining hall together and we're all mingling in the dining hall. Why can't we go and sit in our own country area in another venue? It was quite weird, but I guess the rules are the rules. And so the answer was is no, but they did a great job to... That would have sucked. It would have sucked. Yeah, it, it sucked. It did. Yeah. It actually, I would have loved to have gone to, to the other sports and support the other athletes and, and also just to go and see some new sports as well. Like you, you get to know your own sports so well and all the athletes and the achievements in your own sport, but to go and be live at the swimming or the athletics or like the BMX or like the skateboarding. So cool. Yeah. Like, so um, it would have been great, but look, we had to sort of do our thing and be safe. And um, so we had a couple of days on the ground before we could leave, we could leave. So you had to be out of um, Tokyo within 48 hours of your competition finished. That was a blanket rule for everyone. Really? Yeah, so it was five days prior. You could go in five days prior and then you had to be out within two days of competition. So we were really only there for um, sort of five days of competition or we had an extension day um, because it was a postponement. We're probably only there for 10 days on the ground. Um, so quite a quick game. In comparison to Rio, we were basically there for just under two weeks. So, um, right. yeah. And when you had that 48-hour rule, you don't go and explore the city or anything. No, you just... So you could go to your own sporting venue. So we could still go to the rowing um, and go and watch the other uh, eights row, which were on the day, two days after we had finished. So when they finished, we all came back as a team. So it was really nice to be able to go and cheer them on and the crews that were still going in the regatta. Uh, but you couldn't go to um, any other um, any other, uh, any other sport. So, oh. yeah. Of a, a game of rules, but it was look, it was a fantastic um, to be there. And um, whilst the grandstands were empty and there was just you were there for performance, um, we could feel the love and the cheer and the support from everyone back home. And I must say, it was fantastic. And, and in the last sort of two weeks of quarantine, it's just been so nice to to share with everyone on the ground in Tokyo, and 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 also to give to sort of share a bit of the journey, and also just to say thanks and for them to sort of say, hey, or oh, just what they watched and their reflection of the games as well and, and for them to I ask questions. Do though. Like, honestly, we touched on this at the start before we started recording is I love the Olympics anyway. I always have, I think, because my dad's been obsessed with it. So I grew up just watching everything. And But this year it's been extra special because I shared it with my kids, but also it's been such a shining light in such a really lonely time. Like, we're all on our own. And the days are long, and to have the Olympics at all hours, it was so cool. Yeah, look, I think it's a, you. It's you're exactly right, and I think sport sport can do that in in, in society, Zoe. Like it brings people together and a, and a common goal and a and a common sort of interest, and it's amazing. And it's great to see like so many sort of of the young schools and and schools and young athletes getting around the Olympics and there's a have a go program and like get out there and and try something new. Like there's all those great messages of what sport can do it's not all about winning it's just getting out there and having a go exactly well let's i've got two final questions i want to know what's next for you yes yeah, so great question that's like everyone's uh, got that on their mind to ask ask me but i okay, number one answer to that is to go to get home and um be 
be back as a family um, and spend time as a family and reconnect. And, and then probably with that time as a family, we will sort of work through some, some decisions and what's next. And obviously people have been like, oh, well, Paris is only three years away. You've, only, you've got two colours. Why don't you just go there for the last colour and it'll fill the, uh, fill the cabinet with the three nice colours. And I was like, yeah, it's sort of something to consider. But like, oh, for me. question. Sophie said, ask if he's going to the next game. Yeah. I was like. Uh, so Sophie, if you're listening, I, I don't have an exact answer. I'll probably have to scoot around it. But no, like I am. Um, I'm very much, I want to get back as a family and, and be there for Zan. And, and as a family now, we make decisions together and it's what works for us. And we've sacrificed a lot and I've followed my dreams. I also want to be there for her dreams and what she wants as as a, as a family. And, um, and I, I'm excited by that. But we'll just sort of see where, where Rowan lies and life lies. But for the time being... It's just get back and, and be the family and, and hopefully be a daddy and a husband. Yeah, exactly. Be a daddy and a husband and uh, I can do all the I can get up late at night and do all the, the nighttime things that I haven't I haven't done yet and, and just, just those things. Like just just to know that and that will make me super proud and super happy to do those things. You'll probably cherish it so much, you know, those night feeds where she's like, Can you do it? You'll be like, Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Probably. Absolutely. So for a little while anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We um but look. I'm looking forward to all that sort of stuff, Zoe. Yeah, cool. Well, final question is I end every episode with a share. I ask people what are they listening to or what have they read or what are they doing that has sort of, you know, filled up their cup. I feel like yours might have been the Olympics, but uh, (laughs) is there anything that you can share with us that's been, you know, filling up your cup? Yeah, I think um, I'm probably um, filling up my cup at the moment would definitely be – Oh, yeah, you're in quarantine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm in quarantine. But uh, look, I think sort of what, what at the moment it's 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 giving back. Um, and what I mean when I say that is sort of um, oh look, I'm I, I'm a I'm a share like I'm not a closed book athlete. Like I love sharing with people sort of what it was like, what I learned, uh, the highs, the lows, and um, yeah, it's probably encapsulates it to giving back to people who have give, given me so much and 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 sharing them in the journey. That's cool. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been it's been awesome. I hope you guys loved that episode as much as we loved recording it. We had such a great time. And honestly, I just found myself sitting back in awe. That's why I barely spoke. <laughs> but I will be back here in your ears next Thursday with an epic dad. A dad that had me laughing online all through my teenage years. There's your hint, guys. All right, I'll be back here in your ears next Thursday, 6 a.m. Bye.